Have you, um, have you ever struggled with doubts about God or maybe skepticism about God's promises? You know, um, family dedication is special. Robin said to me, I don't know why I'm crying. She cried the whole time through that. Um, not too long ago, we had a family in our church that was, their child was really ill. And um, Brad and I were going to the hospital to see this. And it was, it was, as we were walking up to the hospital, we were both talking about, what do we say? What do we say right now? And, um, and it was a tough deal. And uh, there, there are many times as a pastor that I, I walk with people through difficult times, and I think, Lord, what, what do I say? And in those moments when I'm pushed, Brad and I were talking and as we were walking up to the hospital, and we said, you know, we, we really believe this. We really believe in Jesus. We do. Um, and anytime, anytime I face doubts and skepticism and questions in my own heart, I come back to the cross. I come back to, to that, that 33-year window of history in the first century. I mean, it's fascinating when you think about the cross. I mean, Jesus, in these very um, short years, I mean, the, the, Jesus never wrote a book. He, he lived a relatively obscure life with just 12 men. And, and he went to the cross and died. They killed him. But that event in history became, has become, and still is, the focal point of human history. I mean, think about the influence of Christ on the cross that has taken place since it happened. I mean, I mean, the whole world points to that. I mean, it's amazing to think about that moment on the cross. And then this morning, we're beginning this series called This Is Us, and, and it's preparation for Easter, and, and we're, we're four weeks away from Easter today. And, and as we turn our face to Easter, we're going to turn our attention to the cross and to the journey to the cross. And here we have this incredible moment of Passover. Jesus gathers with his disciples, and, and we, we, we've seen the significance of that because we've been in Acts. If you've been with us over the last several months, we've been looking at the book of Acts, how the, the apostles went out and followed the Lord and did incredible things. And, and, and we're going to go kind of turn the camera away from the apostles and back to the source of their power, back to the cross. Back to that moment when all their dreams were dashed. And, and if you remember the, the story of the cross, Jesus had gathered with his disciples at Passover. And, and, and they didn't realize it was the last Passover. They didn't realize this was the last one they were going to spend with Jesus. And, and then Jesus, remember, he said, hey, we got to go pray in the garden. And as Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays. And the Bible records that he was sweating like drops of blood. He was so stressed. He was so overcome with what was about to happen, not because he was going to be beaten, not because he was going to wear a crown of thorns, but because God himself, the, the one true, holy, perfect, sinless God-man, was about to become sin for you and me. Jesus was sweating drops of blood, and, and, and Peter, James, and John, as they were praying with him, they fell asleep. 
And as they're asleep, we, we, the Bible records and helps us understand uh, these, these guards come and, they, and Judas comes and, and they arrest Jesus and they, and they take him and they rush him. Peter grabs his sword, cuts off Malchus's ear, and Peter at that point is going to defend him and, and Malchus's ear falls off and Jesus heals it. Now, if Malchus is not in heaven, that guy's an idiot because in that moment, I'd say, hey, I'm switching teams. Thanks, Jesus. You know, um, but... We don't know his story, but, but the, this amazing things happen. The, the disciples flee, and then Jesus goes through this illegal trial as he's arrested. And that's where we're picking up today. As, as we look at this, this encounter that Jesus has with Pilate, and Pilate is, is in, in Scripture one of the most interesting figures because he is this Roman leader. He is this, uh, um, he's, he's, he kind of doesn't want to get involved in the Jewish affairs. And, and Pilate is thrust into the story. He's thrust in front of Jesus, and he doesn't want to be there. In John chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. And I, I think that it's my prayer over the next four weeks that we recognize our place in the cross, in the crucifixion story. Because you know what? I, I look at our culture. And as for me, when I face doubts and skepticism in my own heart, I come back to the cross. And when I come back to the cross, I go, oh, yeah, this changed my life. Because not only did, did the, the cross change history, the cross changed my history. And, and for many of us, that's where we are. The cross changed the history of the world, but it also changed your history. It changed your life. And you may be here today, and, and there are times, even though the cross has changed your history, you struggle with doubts. I pray that the Lord helps us deal with our own skepticism. Maybe you're here today, and you're wondering, is this really true? Can Jesus really change my history? I'm so glad you're here. And it is my prayer that as we as a congregation interact with the cross and, and come face to face with this crucifixion story, that we recognize how to, how to overcome the skepticism that I see in our nation when people hear the word Jesus and go, I don't know, I don't know. That's what Pilate, that's where Pilate was. Pilate comes face to face with Jesus and he's like, I don't know. Would you stand with me and let's look at John chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 28. And we're going to read through verse 40 today. It's a little bit longer, but I want us to get this narrative. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They, they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? 
Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? You, your own nation, and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, let's look at this story here. What an uh, amazing moment in the life of Christ. Now, Pilate was the fifth governmental representative of Rome. And, and historians say that Pilate ruled for about six years after this moment, and then he kind of disappears from history. Uh, he, he ends up taking his life, and, and he has this incredible um, history in our world, in, in, in Christian circles. Like, if you've ever read the Apostles' Creed, Pilate is mentioned in the Apostles' Creed where it says that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. You know, and, and we're going to get into this in, in the book of Acts. In three times in the book of Acts, Pilate is mentioned in sermons that men are, are preaching at before they are, as they're facing arrest and, and they're facing struggle, they quote Pilate. Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 13 says that uh, about Pilate, Jesus made the good confession in front of Pilate. It's interesting how the scripture uh, points back to Pilate. And Pilate was a lot like so many in our, country, our, our, our nation, our world. He was skeptical. He, he is, he's like so many times like us. We're skeptical. God, are you really who you said you were? And look at verse 28. It's interesting because they, they led Jesus to Caiaphas' house, to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning, shows the, the, the illegal trial that's going on. They were trying to rush this through. And it's interesting, verse 28 says, they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but they could eat the Passover. It's interesting that the, the Jews, uh, they, they were like, oh, look, we want to make sure we don't mess up or, or, or that we don't Sin. And what's interesting is right in front of them is the one who would take away their sin. And yet they're looking at him, oh, we don't want to defile ourselves, but right in front of them with a crown of thorns on his head, with a purple robe around his back, bleeding and beaten, is the one who would deliver them. So Pilate, and it's interesting, Pilate goes outside to them, and he look what he says to them. He says, what accusations, verse 29, what accusations do you bring against this man? They answered, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered them to you. And it's interesting because Pilate is looking at Jesus, and he's like, wait, I, I know about Jesus. Jesus had a reputation. 
What was Jesus' reputation? I mean, people that, that heard Jesus teach said, wow, man, you, you teach like someone who comes from God. When he would, when he would, uh, uh, he did all these miracles and they said, look, nobody that could do what you do could not be from God. You have to be from God. Jesus had this reputation that was, that had preceded him. And, and he, if you know the story of Pilate, if you really get into all the gospels, tell this story. We're turning to just John 18 today, but, um, but if you know this story, even Pilate's wife comes to him and says, hey, hey, watch out for this guy. If you read this, it says that on a couple of occasions, Pilate was afraid of Jesus. You know, what's inter- that's interesting to me. Because why would this Roman governor be afraid? He'd seen many, many people be crucified. He had, this was like normal. This was like Tuesday at, in the Roman culture. Crucifixion was normal. But yet, Jesus was different. Jesus had this reputation. You know what, an observation, if you follow along in your notes, I want us to catch this today. Pilate was a skeptic. But you know, even the, most, even the hardest skeptics are moved by the authentic lives of Jesus and his followers. I mean, Jesus' life made a difference, and even Pilate was looking at him going, hey, what, what accusations do you have against him? And what's interesting, they said, oh, he did evil, but they didn't really produce the evil he had done. Now, there's a lot to learn from here. When I think about the life of Jesus, and honestly, the life we're called to live. You and I are called to live in a world full of skeptics, full of people that say, do you really believe that Jesus is God? Do you really believe that he's the only way to heaven? And do you know what, what moves even the hardest skeptic is the authentic lives of those that follow Jesus. The authentic life of Jesus, the authentic life of his followers. And this week as I, as I prayed through and as I wrestled through our calling to be an example to a world, that this, as we prepare for Easter, as we, as we point a world to Christ and we lift him up and say, look, Jesus is the Savior. Do you know that our lives, the way we live, will influence whether someone believes in Jesus or not? I mean, God's, God's powerful to speak in spite of us. But recognize that we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. So here's some challenges for us. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul writes this, and He says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. In in this passage, Paul prays for the church and he says, look, it's my prayer that, and I'm gonna never cease to pray for you that you're filled with the knowledge of God. This is why we need to understand the word of God, that, that we will, We'll, we will walk in, in the spiritual wisdom and understanding and walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. Do you, I want us to catch this today, that, that when we encounter a skeptic, skeptical world, we are called to walk in a manner, walk in a way that pleases the Lord. So what does that mean? You and I have got to pay attention to the meaning of our name. And I want to ask you a question today. What, what does your name mean? What does your name really mean? 
I'm not talking about, like, my name is Chris, Christopher, which the root of it is Christian, and, and my, my mom named me that. I'm not talking about the root of my name. I'm talking about what does my name mean when it's mentioned by those who know me? You know, folks, we've got to pay attention to the meaning of our name as we walk with the Lord, as we, as we live in this place, as we live among people that need to know Christ. And I love the, the example of Jesus made a difference in the life of Pilate. And I pray that we are a people that today we pay attention to the meaning of our name. We, we, we also are called, and I, I want you to see the life of Jesus here made such a difference because he lived consistently. And do you know that you and I are called to live consistently? We should practice what we preach. And I'm, I'm convicted of the, of, the, of the man that I rode the ski lift up. I told about him yet last week. And, and as he shared with me, the reason he doesn't um, turn to Jesus is because he just knew a bunch of Christians. And I felt that. And I was like, Lord, may we be a church that, that we pay attention to the meaning of our name. We live consistently. See, Jesus did that. And as he interacted with Pilate, Pilate was looking at him going, what? accusations do you have? You know, it's important that we pay attention to the way we live. We pay attention to the meaning of our name. You know, this week, I got to tell you, there are times that we, maybe you're here today, and you know what? You're, you're walking with Jesus. You're, you're trusting him, and, but you're, you're skeptical because maybe you're facing a trial. Maybe you're facing even an ultimate struggle of a sickness or life or death. You know, this week I, I got asked to go speak to a baseball team. And I, I do that. I get that a lot. If you, don't, if you don't know my baseball story, it's online and you should. It's a great story if you don't know it. But I, I got asked to go speak to this baseball team and share my baseball story. And... Um, and you know, as I'm sharing this story with, these, with Brent McConnell, Brent McConnell used to be a member of our church, and he moved to Arkansas, and his team was in town, and he asked me to come. And, and um, as I shared this story, I got into David Valoran's story. Coach V was the first coach I hired to coach the ambassadors. And he became one of my a, a dear friend to me. And he, uh, he and I did ministry together, and I just loved serving with him. I mean, he's the kind of friend that there were so many moments in life and ministry that I would hit him on the shoulder and go, can you believe we just saw God do that? And he'd go, man, I can't believe it. In my office, his, he's on my wall in four different pictures on my office. At the end of August, he was killed. And I had to stand and preach his funeral. And I told that story to these guys. And honestly, it was the first time I told, I told it. And I wasn't planning on it. It just kind of came out. And I told Dave's story and talked about how God helped me and moved. And, and as, I, as I left and I'm in my car on, my, on, my, on the way back to church, I, I, I doubted. I was skeptical a little bit. I felt like Satan was picking on me. Have you ever felt that way? And um, you know what I did? I came back to the cross. I said, no, Lord, I believe in this. 
And, and it was awesome. As, as I came back to the cross and God again helped me have, like, like I had that moment with Brad, I believe this. And you know that there are times, if you're skeptical today, if you know Jesus and you find yourself being skeptical today, do you know one of the ways to, to battle that skepticism is to reorient your heart to the eternal purposes of God? Do you know what I did on the way back? I, I, I said, okay, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna refocus my heart here back on your promises. And you know what? God just kept confirming over and over again that his promises are true. You know what happened that day? I, I spoke at our Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday night. And uh, I'd, I'd spoken at the baseball team on Tuesday morning. And, and I'm still wrestling. I'm... I'm I'm about to speak at CR, and the lady that's leading worship at CR chose three songs all about how Jesus conquered the grave. And again, it brought my heart, I reoriented my heart back on the promises of God. So I want you to know something. If you are facing skepticism right now about the cross, about is Jesus true, I want to challenge you, there are many times we have to reorient back to the promises of God. And see, I love the example that Jesus lived, and I'm grateful for the authentic lives that he lives. And can, I, can, I, can we hear this today? That we are called to live those authentic lives like Jesus lived. So let's hear that. Look at verse 33. Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or do the others say this to you about me? I mean, it's interesting because Pilate thinks that he's questioning Jesus. He's coming to Jesus going, I'm going to question this guy to get to the truth, get to who he is. But you know, like often when we come to question Jesus, we find that Jesus is the one questioning us. You found that? That you're like, wait, whoa, Jesus is reaching my heart. And he says, Pilate's like confused. You're like, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And then Jesus is just, he finally answers him that, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. And we've got to hear that. Do you know that this, this world is not the, the, the final place for us? That as we face the difficulty of, of even in my own life, of, of those difficulties of, of tragedy and loss, because I've known those personally, closely, but anytime I, I face that skepticism and doubt, I love what Jesus said here because he said, look, my kingdom's not of this world. See, the disciples, the people didn't get that. They thought, oh, hey, Jesus is going to come and deliver us from the Romans. But do but you know there's a greater enemy in the world than the Romans, than the Nazis, than any human enemy we can invent or create? It's Satan and evil and sin. And see, Jesus came and telling us, look, my kingdom's not of this world. 
Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to point number two. I, I, I think it's interesting what Jesus did here. He had a really good tactic. What did he do to Pilate? He, he let Pilate wrestle with his questions. Sometimes when we face questions from skeptics, and I have a guy that's in my life that I love deeply, and he's an atheist, he's always firing questions at me. He's, al- he's, he's all, always making, a, making statements to me, wanting me to get me riled up. And I love him, and he loves me, I think. He says he does. But, but sometimes when we get a question, we go, oh, I'm going to answer it for you. But look what Jesus did. Jesus allowed Pilate to wrestle with his own question. Do you know when we face question, skeptics, we should allow skeptics to wrestle with the questions that they ask. And this is a good tactic here. Every skeptic should feel the burden of their own proof. That's what Pilate said. He said, he said look, Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own? Or are you saying this? Or did someone tell you this? Whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's a great tactic here. Jesus is like, Pilate, I'm going to let you face this burden. There's a really good book by a guy named Greg Kokel. It's called Tactics, and you ought to get that book. I would encourage you to write it down, Tactics, by a guy named Greg Kokel. I'll put his name up here. But he, he, he argues for this Columbo question of this idea, can I ask you something? And we let people that are questioning our faith, hey, let me, let me ask you if you would, let me ask you some questions. How did you come to that conclusion? Great book. You ought to get it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But, but I think it's interesting that, that in Scripture we see um, 300 questions that Jesus asked when he, when he interacted with people. The, the New Testament records over 300 questions. Jesus was good at asking questions. And sometimes when we interact with people that, that don't believe in God, we, want, we get all defensive and want to say, well, no, let me tell you something. No, we should be okay with dialogue and questions in relationships. Folks, we live in a world that's skeptical about our Savior. And we're called to engage that world, not stand and yell at it. And I love how Jesus was in front of Pilate, and he didn't yell at him. He didn't argue with him. He, he reached out to him. Verse 37, Pilate said to him, so, so you are a king, Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king, and look at this, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the, the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And in this moment, Jesus says to Pilate, this is the reason I was born. I have come to face this battle, to overcome this struggle called sin. And Jesus says, for this purpose I was born. And Pilate is confused, and he he says, what is truth? I don't understand what truth is. Jesus said, look, if you want to know the truth, you listen to my voice. And can I tell you today, respectfully and, and gently and boldly and directly, that if you want to know the truth, you listen to the voice of God. And he has spoken through his word. And this is why in my own week, this week, as I even struggled with skepticism and doubt, God helped me reorient my life to the truth. 
And if you're struggling with, with fear, or, or we, we just sang that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And, and at times when I am fearful, because I have been impacted by accidents, I caught myself as, as my oldest daughter drives back to OBU going, oh Lord, I, I prayed extra hard for her that day on the turnpike. Because I was fearful of Emily driving on the turnpike back to Shawnee, especially on that Chandler to Shawnee two-lane road. Oh, Lord, help her. Found myself fearful. Well, then I go back and reorient my heart and say, Lord, Lord I'm not a slave to that fear. I trust you. Look, I, I, I give that to you. This is not our home. This world's not my home. And, um, you know, when you look at this narrative, verse 39, Pilate or verse 38, he says, he looks at Jesus, he looks at this interaction. What does he say? I find no guilt in him. And then these religious leaders, this crazy moment of, of, of decision, Pilate says to them, look, you have a tradition. One prisoner can be released. I can release this innocent man, or I can release Barabbas, who was a robber. And they all in unison said, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. And Pilate, against his wife's orders, against his wife's suggestion, against his own intuition, he says, okay. And he passed him down the line to be crucified. And in this moment, a guilty man was set free while the innocent Savior went to the cross. You know, that's you and I. You know, we, we were guilty. I was guilty. I was set free. You know, this, as you look at this experience with this the most famous skeptic in all the Bible, like Pilate, every skeptic we know Point number three is this, skeptics can't escape the claim of Jesus. Do you recognize the claim of Jesus that he's making? Look, my, my kingdom's not of this world. If, if, you, if you listen to the truth and follow me, that's, that's what you need to do. You'll, you'll hear my voice. You'll, you'll, I'm the truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus said to Thomas, we're going to look at Thomas in a couple weeks, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said to Thomas, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So the question for us today is how will we respond to this claim? The claim of Jesus is so incredible that he says, look, I'm God. And because he made this claim that, and it's interesting as I, as I look at the world, the world's opinion of Jesus, they say, oh, Jesus is one of the good teachers. He's one of the, the he's great. Oh, the Sermon on the Mount is great. It's like a guy that I met on our, our trip said, you know, I'm just trying to live by the golden rule which is, you know what that is, do unto others before they do unto you, right? You get that? Did you hear that? Okay, that's a joke. Um, but so many people look at Jesus and say, oh, he's a good man. Well, well, Jesus claimed to be God. 
He said, for this purpose I've come. He made this outrageous claim. This is why C.S. Lewis said that, that so famously, that G, as he was a skeptic, he was an atheist, and, and he began to search for the truth, and he began to investigate the claims of Jesus, and he came to the conclusion that Jesus is, he, is either a liar he was the biggest liar that ever lived. He was the biggest, this was the biggest hoax in all of history. Or he was a lunatic, that Jesus was crazy. He walked around saying, hey, follow me, I'm God. My kingdom's not of this world. And, and people believe, what a, what, a nut, what a nut job. Or he's Lord, that we should follow and fall down and worship. And say, Father, we will walk with you. We will listen to your voice. You know, I had a buddy of mine years ago told me this story. He was a, he was a big old weightlifter. You know those weightlifter guys. And uh, he was in the gym one day, and he, was, he, had, he would always wear a Christian T-shirt. And he was in the gym, and, and there was a guy that he would always see. And, and one day this guy's partner wasn't there, and so he needed a spot on his bench press. And uh, so he went over and said, yeah, I'll help you, man. And so this guy got to, gets on the bench, and he does his bench presses, and he spotted him. And they got to talking about his shirt. He had this Christian T-shirt on, and he said, so is that like a Christian shirt? He goes, yeah, yeah. And so that was a door that got open, and he said, well, what do you think about God and Christianity? And this guy said, oh, you know, all religions are the same. They're all the same. I just think that they all kind of end up in the same place. And he goes, well, how'd you get to that point? How'd you come to that conclusion? He goes, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just thought about it. No, I didn't really think about it. Just heard it. And he said, well, can, can I, would you mind if I shared with you the, the difference between Christianity and every other religion? He goes, because it's, it's really not the same. He goes, all right. He goes, well, how much can you bench press? And the guy said, I got a max out bench press. He goes, about 425. He's like, wow, pretty good. I can't bench press that much. He goes, um, no, he said 320, 3 something, 3 something, 3 something. Can't remember. I'm going to mess my story up. But, um, he said, okay, that's a lot. He goes, but what if I loaded up 425 and I got that bar on your chest? If you can bench press like 350 and I got 425 on your chest. You're like, Phew. He goes, you know, a lot of religions say that really, oh, there's no problem. A lot of people don't believe in religion that, oh, none of us have a problem. What if I got that weight on your chest and said, you know what, it's really not there. Ah, don't worry about it. It's not there, man. Come on. Would that help you? No. He goes, okay. He goes, what? He goes, a lot of religions teach that if you follow their, their, their letter to the law, if you follow it and you don't mess up and you do better and better and better, you'll, you'll, you'll earn eternal life. What if I got that weight on your chest and I said, hey, look, here's the bench press form. Here's how you bench press. This is exactly how you do it. This is, this is textbook how you bench press. Would that help you? No. He goes, okay. Well, you know, some, some religions just kind of 
uh, yell and scream and holler and just, um, and just you don't even understand them. What if I got that weight on your chest and started yelling at you going, come on, do it, come on. Would that help you? No. He goes, what would you need me to do? Well, I'd need you to get the weight off my chest because I can't bench press 425 pounds. He goes, exactly. He goes, that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. You see, Jesus came to take the weight off called sin. And you may be here today, and you're like, man, I can't do it. I can't be good enough. I can't work hard enough. You know, that's why Jesus came. For this purpose, he came because he went to the cross to deliver us. And if all you have to do, all you do is trust him. Come to him. Do you know that's why we have invitations here? We're going to have an invitation right now. And maybe you're here today and you're a skeptic. Can I, can I encourage you? Would you come and allow us to take God's word and help you face that skepticism? See, Pilate didn't face it. But we all have to face the claim of Jesus. Maybe you're struggling today because you're doubting and you're wondering, God, are you, tr- are you real? Are, are your promises true? Maybe you need to come and get on your knees and say, God, in this moment, I'm going to reorient my heart to your promises and your word. I'm going to trust you today. Let me tell you something. You can trust his promises. He will never fail you. Let's come together this Easter. And let's point a world to the Savior who has the power to deliver them. If God is speaking to you, that is a treasure. If God is even convicting you, that is a joy. Don't turn his voice away. Don't turn his his call away. So I just want to say, is God speaking to anyone today?